Hey everybody, happy holiday season yet again. So my name's Amanda, this is our third episode of Hashing for the Holidays, a Bitcoin Magazine limited series podcast. Um, it's been an insane year for Bitcoin mining and I'm excited to have some more very festive, finally, guests and friends on to actually talk about actually building, maintaining and expanding mining companies. So you all do something a little bit different, right? Um, I want to, you know, I want to start out with something more fun for all of you. So um, in addition to who you are, what your company does, I want to know a holiday tradition that you and your family participate in. So I can start with mine. Um, I've been with my partner for 15 years and every year he asks, can we have colorful lights on the trees? And every year the answer is no. That's a tradition. Wait, wait, but why though? But why though? Because I just like the white lights. Like they just look so clean and uniform that you should know aesthetic, this about me by now. Aesthetic over everything. With aesthetic. That's right. Look at this hat. <laughs> well, I have a I have a new tradition. Um, it's our work family, so not my personal family. But we this year we did our inaugural Christmas tree lighting. Uh, I just posted on Twitter. Uh, we lit up an S9 Christmas tree with a genset. So Amazing. What's what's more appropriate in a Bitcoin mining discussion? Nothing. And Steve, you're the CEO of Upstream Data. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> President, <laughs> CEO, whatever. Nice. Wait, can you introduce yourself and tell us one of your stories? Sure. I'm Whit Gibbs, co-founder and CEO of Compass Mining. Uh, and our holiday tradition, we actually yesterday did this. Um, we go into the forest here in Latvia, we chop down our tree and then I get to carry it half a mile back to, uh, to the car and then we bring it home and decorate it. So we did that yesterday with the family. It was, it's a great time. Uh, it's always nice to, to get to have that experience when you just like it, growing up in the States, you go and you pick out your tree, right? But here there, there aren't tree farms and um, you know, in Soviet times in Latvia, you couldn't celebrate Christmas. So it's a really big deal for them to like go out into the forest and be a little bit sneaky about it and chop down a tree and then bring it back to the house. Um, so that's still just a, a big tradition here, which is it's really cool. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't done the like go to a forest and chop down a tree, um, but I usually pick like the biggest tree at the farm. And then Jay tells me that our ceilings we're only like you know, nine tall and we can't have a 15 foot tall tree. So get you on that. <laughs> Six foot. And last but not least, Harry. Um, I'm our resident Jew. Um, and so this is a Hanukkah tradition. Um, as you can see from my blue holiday sweater. Uh, I'm, I'm Harry. I'm uh, VP of strategy with Grid Infrastructure. Um, and my holiday tradition is uh, frying latkes for Hanukkah. But since seed oils are fiat, we get authentic chicken schmaltz. So like authentic, like butcher chicken fat to fry the, the latkes in. Um, and so that's, uh, it, it makes the house smell like chicken for like six weeks afterwards and everything's delicious. Um, and so that's my, that's my holiday tradition. <laughs> that's amazing. I tried to cook on Thanksgiving and burnt myself pretty bad. So probably never going to do that again. Um, all right, guys, this is great. So it's been an incredible year, like we said. Harry, I'm going to start with you because Grid has had a lot of announcements lately. You've announced, you know, that you have a $500 million loan from blockchain.com. You have a SPAC with a valuation of $3.3 which is all beautiful stuff. Um, that takes a lot of work, right? Like, it's probably been a very long year. Can you tell us about this past year and also, like, how, you know, scaling – and thinking about scaling, how you, you decide that as VP of strategy at Grid? Sure. Well, I, I definitely can't comment on uh, on any of the first part of any of that stuff, but but that's good because I get to actually talk about the exciting part, which for us um, is our people. So we entered the year with very few people um, and we're coming through the year with a lot more people. So one of the things that I get the most excited about is uh, as a Bitcoin miner is that we're not a traditional kind of startup. Um, we're very much a, a bricks and sticks business. You know, we're, we're, you know, go find a rural plot of land next to a substation and go build something from nothing. Um, and so 
you know, because that's the nature of the mining business, you know, I get so excited that that our employees are not traditional startup employees. You know, this isn't their third trip around the merry-go-round. You know, many of our employees are our former, you know, our former uh, active duty members of the armed services. Many of them are welders or construction workers or insurance salesmen or, you know, pick your, you know, pick your, your, your poison. Um, mining has provided a career change for a ton of people who are taking a deep expertise somewhere else and bringing that expertise to Bitcoin. Um, and so that's how we, that's what, what part of what gets me so excited is building, you know, the type of, of company that can um, bring the best out in, in those people and educate them in, in what Bitcoin means and what Bitcoin mining means along the way. So getting to grow the team and, and getting to work with those really special people is, um, is huge for me. That's a, a really interesting point. And Steve and Witt, I feel like you probably have had to do similar um, you know, growth strategies for your companies as they've been growing. How do you identify candidates in, in the world to work on Bitcoin mining? It is kind of a, a difficult thing to do. That's for me, uh, Amanda. Yeah. Uh, well, the people we hire, um, well, our, mo our, mo our business is mostly fabrication, really, like building data centers, uh, power plants for those data centers. Um, and now uh, like retail focused data centers. But so, you know, there's really no, uh, <laughs> the people that apply to our, our positions, um, there's absolutely zero background in Bitcoin or anything related required. I do like when people apply and they either on their cover letter or if it's like a DM or however, or an email, however they're getting in touch with us, it's pretty cool when they do have a Bitcoin focused experience. And I always like that, but uh, yeah, I mean like our staff is, there's a lot of mechanics, uh, fabricators, like carpenter types, um, uh, some IT people, some back end like office admin. Um, we're up to about 40 people. So all those people are uh, pretty much no, actually uh, the bulk of my company Still, uh, I'm going to actually force them on onto it, but they don't. They still don't really understand Bitcoin or have any. So, uh, this year, like in 2022, I have plans to force them into it for their own health. Naturally, yes. <laughs> but what about for you? Um, this has been the first year of Compass, right? And you've grown so much from a year ago. It's been pretty incredible to watch on the sidelines for me. Um, how do you decide what you need um, in terms of people and how do you find them? Yeah, so I mean, our first step is we look at people who have majored in Bitcoin mining from Ivy League institutions. Uh, and I'm just kidding. Like, obviously, look, there, there's, no, there, there's no better experience in Bitcoin than just holding it or mining it or being involved around the space in some way, shape or form. So most of the talent that we've been fortunate to bring on a compass comes from people who are on Bitcoin Twitter or have mined with us. I think 50 or 60% of our staff, our team actually started as compass customers. Mm -hmm. And that's how we grew our initial, uh, you know, we're, we're at just over 80 people. Now we started with three this time last year. Um, and I think that, you know, the first 25 or so were compass customers. And then from there, what we've done is we've leveraged their networks. We've looked at people who, uh, you know, were Bitcoiners. They knew their friends were working at a Bitcoin company and they wanted to get into to Bitcoin and we were their foray. Fortunately for us, um, most of the talent that we bring on, they have some skill set already that applies to their job, right? If we're looking at sales or tech support or customer service, um, those are skill sets that can be developed in non-Bitcoin industries. And then we're just able to, to tie them into to what they're doing on the daily at Compass. So it's been a little, a little bit less challenging for us because we're not as Steve, Steve is in a, a fabrication business where it requires a, a certain level of skills like that. But our skills are more generally applicable uh, and can be, you know, fortunately learned in, in other non-Bitcoin jobs. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating to think about the amount of jobs that now exist within Bitcoin mining. And this has actually been a theme in the last two podcasts too, is it just seems like we are underestimating the amount of talent and amount of people working on mining. And you know, 
being in it from a couple of years ago, it's really incredible to watch it grow. So it's something that I'm also excited about. You know, that's that's really happy and exciting and holiday cheer. But like, let's talk about some frustrations and some like annoying parts <laughs> about being a, in, in the Bitcoin mining industry. So, um, Harry, I'm going to start with you. Can you talk to me about supply chain constraints and how that affects your business? Yeah, so I think that, you know, I think that the the reality of the global supply chain situation is is not a secret to anyone. You know, everything's getting here later. Everything's more expensive to move over, you know, water, air or or otherwise. Um, you know, I think that we, you know, we were really fortunate to invest in logistics and and, you know, having our arms, you know, kind of wrapped around that process, but you know, but I think that it, it's just another opportunity to highlight how much of a bricks and mortar business mining is um, that if you know it's it's not about a developer writing another great line of code it's really about another truck showing up with another transformer or another truck showing up with you know another um, another you know container or, or the commodity price of steel copper etc like the these are the types of of um, nuances that are important to keep your arms wrapped around when you think about scaling up of any Bitcoin mining business um, and managing supply chain and, and keeping, you know, a tight hand on cost controls is, is important anywhere, you know, especially when, you know, when there's so much competition, um, you know, to bring on hash. So, you know, de definitely, you know, definitely moving things and buying, you know, the underlying commodities that are, that are uh, feeding, you know, the inside of transformers and switch gear and, wires and all that all that good stuff is top of mind um you know but the good news is is that you know there's a lot of great teams that are able to manage those situations and um and bitcoin mining is a is an exciting and interesting business that's well positioned you know to solve a lot of these challenges as well so you know i think that i think that it's um it's not gonna it's not gonna stop being complex or difficult um but i think that it will continue to be solvable um, whether it's solved with expertise, you know, price or, or differentiated relationships. I think there's lots of ways um, to thread the needle. You think that that's the most frustrating part for you as, as you're building grid is, is trying to understand like how to, you know, keep things going both on the building side and also on like the ASIC side and making sure everything is aligning and showing up on time. Or is there something yeah. else? That you think is more frustrating the most frustrating part no the, mo the most frustrating part is is that you know you know running business running operating businesses is always challenging right there's always you know there's always complexity and and hard work and detail that goes into doing a great job um you know and and you know continuing to double down on your people and continuing to double down on on kind of conviction um you know in your approach to the space is what uh is what you know what's most important but i think just the you know i think i wouldn't call it frust frustrating but i think like what's most um not obvious about running a bitcoin mining operation is just that like it's super complex it's super nuanced every you know you know i, I like to the, the way that i like to tell people is you know imagine the person in your life who you think has like the hardest weirdest most unusual job um, everybody's job is just that hard and unusual um, and difficult. It just it just is varying, you know, varying degrees of transparency to you. So, you know, I, th I think about, you know, the people who, you know, who are, you know, industrial scale farmers or, um, you know, uh, artists or, you know, you know, doing, you know, doing uh, uh, like, I, I watched a video about like uh, uh, plate fabrication for symbols. It's like the symbols that get, that get pressed. Like that business is like just as totally complex and nuanced as, as mining a Bitcoin. Um, and so I think like having just an incredible respect for the hard work that goes into doing any business um, is the starting point. And then just saying that, you know, while Bitcoin mining is a uniquely Excel modelable business, um, the actual execution of, of building something and having it run with, you know, with a high degree of uptime and certainty um, it just, it just takes, it just takes a ton of work. Um, so, so surround yourself with people who love it and, and get in the trenches. Absolutely. Steve, what is your, you know, biggest frustration? Obviously you work a lot with oil and gas guys that sometimes get Bitcoin, sometimes don't. Like, how do you deal with the, like with building your business in a space where some people might be super interested in Bitcoin and some people might not be? 
I'd say uh, actually still our biggest frustration, similar to well, what you're talking about with Harry is supply chain. Uh, we're getting ahead of that, but I mean, a lot of it has been sort of comes at you, uh, like come, comes at you with like getting caught with your pants down in a sense, like suppliers are, you know, quoting a certain lead time. And then all of a sudden with no notice, it goes from like whatever, six weeks to 20 weeks. Um, so that that's actually compounded. I mean, everyone here, even though we have varying business models, that supply chain would affect us all and every consumer because uh, whether it's getting facilities online, um, like in, in like Wits area, and I think Harry, Harry's area as well, or us just getting materials to build, I've had significant delays um, on on customer orders, so that always sucks and. You try to hold their hand, and uh, everyone uh, everyone starts whining if they don't get they don't get it when they think they should. But it, it sucks, and it's just biggest probably the biggest frustration. Although we're finally getting ahead of it, I think, because we have some uh, a significant amount of materials on on a very long lead order now. So hopefully, we stay ahead of it. But you never really know because uh, it's just like little things, like out of nowhere. You know, like, well, right now the pat the battle is with aluminum extrusions, like for what we build. Uh, last week I found out our filter supplier all of a sudden is coming up short. So it's little things you never know, like never really think too hard about finding redundancy in. And no one's had to find redundancy in for like the better half of a decade or more because <laughs> markets have been, you know, efficient uh, or call it reasonably uh, if the supply chains have been efficient. So that's been tough. And then, our challenge, of course, with oil field, um, you know, we're always trying to sell to the energy producer, like as opposed to third parties, though we do sell a lot to third parties. So it, it's always been a challenge getting the, the energy producer themselves to buy into it, obviously to put out that kind of capital. Um, so I, I'm still frustrated, say, by the, the state of the industry that we're in, where supply chain on ASICs is still um not that robust um there's still too many um i don't know like not not that easy way to get your hands on asics under reasonable payment terms so a lot of that is annoying and uh i sometimes i, I want the bear market to come because the, the when the computer pricing is lower uh our customers are more inclined to make a purchase because the capital cost isn't so crazy um because again, they're they're often like an oil an oil and gas company. The ninety nine percent of the time, at least, they're looking at our stuff. They're looking at doing an emissions reduction application, so they don't really need uh, new gen computers. They just want cheap computers that that'll have a decent payout. Um, so yeah, the whole ASIC supply chain, uh, where it's at in terms of the in industry maturity, uh, can be frustrating. Yeah, it's a uh, it's very frustrating, especially when you have to like think about the future and like how you are going to make returns. Right, it's really difficult to to deal with that based on like how it works today. Um, Wait, that takes us to you. So tell us about your biggest frustration from this year. So if I'm honest, I I don't know that anything is frustrating. And let me uh, let me explain this and unpack this a little bit more. I think that, you know, when we sign up to build a business, you understand that it's just going to be challenges that you have to either overcome or your business goes under, right? Like if, if everything was easy, then there would be a ton of people that were doing that are doing what we're doing. Uh, now, what I will say is what we have learned. And I think that the biggest lesson over the course of this year is to make sure that we're one, not putting all eggs in one basket, right? There's the South Carolina situation that I think most people have heard about by now with regards to the delays that we faced over one facility that had 23 megawatts allocated to it, basically just, pardon my language, shitting the bed. So we had to then rush to figure out where do we put 23 megawatts of customers' machines in as quick of a time as possible in a time when the market is pumping and everyone obviously is missing out on that time up and hashing. And what it's taught us uh, is one that our customers are the best. Like we have the best customers in the world. I mean, there are so many people who stuck with it through that entire time, could have taken a refund from day one, 
but they were so adamant to get up and mining that they stuck it out with us through the entire time to get their machines up and running. And the second thing that we learned is that you have to have redundancy plans, right? No matter, no matter what comes from this idea of like the Chinese exodus and limited rack space or whatever, if you bend to that narrative, you're just giving up, right? So we decided not to give up, right? We, over the course of the first six months of the life of our business, we approved a, a grand total of 12 facilities. Now those facilities were already built. Everything was already done. We simply just had to go through a verification process and we could send machines there. In the time from August to now, we have helped to stand up and verify an additional 15 facilities. So we've scaled up a mining operations team to help with these things. We've hired someone who can go out and structurally advise these facilities on how to build or where to order containers or whatever the case may be. And it's made us more resilient as an organization. And then learning from all of this as we go into 2022 now, right, we have already 250 megawatts contracted that it's locked in, right? So any one of our deployments, if they're delayed, we've already got a backup. And in most cases, we've got a backup for the backup, just in case there are any delays whatsoever, we have that redundancy plan in place. Now I will say, like day to day, there's certainly challenges that you face, right? There are certainly days through the, the past six months where I'll wake up and I'll check Twitter DMs and I'll wanna like, you know, break my computer in half or, you know, slam my phone on the ground and stomp on it. Um, but people should be mad, right? I would have been mad. Right? Like if your machines aren't up and hashing, which is what you purchase them to be doing, it's got to be frustrating for them. And I think for me, the hardest part is knowing like we're a, a service focused company, right? Our we're relationships over business uh, organization. That, that was tough. That was probably the hardest thing for me over the last six months, just seeing how upset people were knowing that our entire brand, our entire company is built on customer service and frankly, serving the retail market. So that was certainly, I think if there was anything that was like, ugh, that was it for me over the last six months. Yo, what is going on, plebs? We're going to take a break from our programming to tell you about the resurrection of our print magazine, starting with the El Salvador issue. Starting this fall, Bitcoin Magazine will be available on newsstands nationwide and at retail stores such as Barnes & Noble. Don't want to get off your couch, though? No problem. You can also go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. So skip the line and get each issue shipped directly to your front door with our annual subscription. I'm talking four issues a year that contain exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, along with powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Subscribe today and get 21% off using code podcast at checkout. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast at checkout. The world of crypto can seem like the Wild West sometimes. Soaring highs, crashing lows, celebrity shills, and new coins popping up seemingly out of nowhere every day. Look, we get it because we've been there before. At Bitcoin Magazine, we aim to filter out the noise and help newcomers concentrate on the signal. That's why we focus on Bitcoin only. Learning about Bitcoin may seem intimidating at first, but we've worked hard to break things down in a simple and digestible format that anyone can understand. Bitcoin Magazine has launched a free 21-day email course that teaches you about the fundamentals of Bitcoin. You'll receive one new lesson each day that covers a brand new topic as we guide you down the Bitcoin rabbit hole with quick and easy 3-5 to five minute reads. Not only do you get the free course, but everyone who completes the quiz at the end will earn some free Bitcoin. Start learning and earning Bitcoin today. Visit b.tc forward slash 21 days to enroll. I think that mostly like mining companies face that, like carefully mining companies face that, but behind the scenes, right? So like, Everyone has had, like everyone here, I'm sure has had like delays, whether it's because of, you know, ASICs being um, delayed or, you know, the supply chain or, you know, building delays like that exists. It's just that it would never existed at the retail level really before. And so I think that's kind of where the shift happened, right? Like when, you know, I heard there were delays, I was like, yeah, 
I know it's it's a Bitcoin mining site, um, but I think that that's that's the shift that you know had has happened, and that goes into like the, the emergence of retail miners, which we've seen over the past year, right? So both mm-hmm. Compass and Upstream are working within that, right? Especially the at-home mining space. So what are um where have you guys like what are you seeing in that part of the industry? I'll pass this to Steve. I got to be honest, like with the black box and everything that he and the team are doing, they're crushing it. Uh, well, we haven't delivered any yet, so uh, <laughs> I don't know if we're crushing it yet. Um, we definitely have a ton of interest on it, which is cool. I mean, which I, I never really realized um, that the market was sort of ripe for that interest level yet. Because uh, when I, it's sort of the, the, the black box being just a product that lets you enclose your miners in a safe way. So like it's a fire sort of fire retarding call it, I won't say fireproof, but pretty much fireproof uh, enclosure. So even if you're having it indoors, it sort of encloses the miner in a safe place, safe place. And then it's soundproof and weatherproof. But I, I mean, I don't know. I like when I, I basically pulled Twitter one day and asked like, do you want me to build you something like that? And it was my best poll ever. And that's where it came from. Actually it's funny because I had that mining enclosure concept in my head for must've been two years. Um, but I never really thought about the retail mining market until uh, the feedback we started getting. So it's been interesting. I don't know. Like I think the, I think for sure the, the, the retail mining market, call it the home mining market is very frothy right now. Like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna settle down at some point, you know, in a bear market, it'll settle down again and it won't be as sexy, but uh, right now it's very sexy. Um, <clears throat> you know, you just see every day more and more people posting, excuse me, online and in forums about their own home setups. And I, I think it's, I think it's a great way to do it, like and a great way to get into Bitcoin, especially when you look at the hardware cycles and where they've been and where they're going. It's probably a pretty good time to get into it. Um, if it's not today, then, you know, in the near term, because, well, the hardware you buy, as long as you protect it, like you don't let it, you know, expose to something that will destroy it, like the elements, but uh, that hardware should last. Uh, up to a decade, like there's no reason why not. S9s have lasted over six years now, um, certainly over five years publicly available. So when you look at those hardware cycles, like this, this hardware is getting, uh, it's becoming a better and better investment because the ASIC itself holds its, holds its value for longer. So I'm, I'm excited to see the home market where it's at, um, where everyone's excited about it and hopefully we're just hoping we can provide something useful uh, to help that market. So why are, are people mining Bitcoin at home? Because it's probably not always profitable. So what are the reasons you're hearing why people are, are choosing to go through, through this route? Well, uh, quickly, on, from my opinion, um, it's, it, it's fun. Uh, I mean, I started my business effectively learning how to do, learning what mining was all about in my garage. So if you're, if you have any kind of aspiration to like do mining at a bigger scale, it, it makes complete sense to start at home. Um, you are getting KYC free Bitcoin, which, you know, mm-hmm. different people I hold different value on. There's definitely a subset of the market that really likes that. Um, I personally think it's the right way to go. Um, but, you know, a lot of people do have high power costs. So if you look at it from a purely economic point of view like you know your capital costs and then your, your profit margin and your payout it's not always going to be the best option like hosting would be cheaper and a better return or um just buying bitcoin uh, in a lot of cases so i mean it's to each their own but i i see it i actually just bought two miners i haven't been mining at home actually for quite a while uh for about a couple of years um once i started my business i just uh, put that ASIC I think I had in one of our rigs and haven't been mining at home ever since, but I just bought uh, two ASICs to start mining at home again. Um, Cause I just think it's going to be a good investment long-term. Um, I think I can, you know, I think in whatever I end up paying that right now, like 10 grand for an ASIC, I think I can sell it for more than that uh, in the next bull run in a few years, like no problem. So I had a little bit of color on there. I think the, the other aspect is just this, 
this belief in Bitcoin now that maybe in the past was present, but just not to as many people. So now all that's happening is where before you may have had a, a subset of people who were interested in mining. Now you still have a subset, but the subset is just bigger by numbers because there are more people in Bitcoin. And a lot of the people who are purchasing their, you know, their mining equipment from us for home mining, uh, it, KYC free Bitcoin is a part of it. But really just participation and securing Bitcoin's blockchain is, is a big part of it as well. They see it as uh, similar to running a node. Right. If you're going to run a node or stack sats with fold or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, then you should also be mining Bitcoin and have an ASIC on the network. And I think Steve, you know, over the, the past few weeks, he's basically summed it up in all of the suites, just plug in an ASIC, right? The solution to just about everything is plugging in more ASICs. And there is a big belief and buy-in in that. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, true for all retail mining participants that are getting involved. The other thing I would say too, is if you, and I assume that everyone buying ASICs and mining at home, all subscribe to the idea that Bitcoin price is going to increase, right? So even if you lose some cash now, some dirty fiat as Steve would call it, right? Um, yes. And you hold on to your Bitcoin, over time, that is actually profitable. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I've, I'm going to buy a black box um, so that I can plug mining, it in and have access to Bitcoin mining at my own house. Retrospectively, mining has basically never been unprofitable for people. Like whether uh, it, the only question is what, what it had been your best investment. In a lot of cases, the answer is no. A lot of cases, if you're just purely speculating on with your money um, and you don't care about non-KYC or anything else, in a lot of cases for a lot of people, especially with, if you look at the supply chain of power right now, I think like I keep seeing charts from like European power and other places like, like skyrocketing. So if you're in a place like that and you're paying crazy power levels, well, you know, mining's not going to be that from a purely speculative investment standpoint, not that great, but everyone in history of mining, like over time has done well. So <laughs> I don't think anyone who does it at home isn't going to do well. And it, and by committing to like buying an ASIC, you're sort of pot committed to keep running it and your dollar cost averaging every day for, until you unplug that thing. And hopefully they don't, hopefully people don't have to unplug it for the better part of a decade. Are we, um, are we ready for a bear market as miners? Is that what we want, Harry? No, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want it. Do you want it, Harry? I hope, I hope not. Well, Harry just got a few billion. He doesn't care anymore. Yeah, he's he's like, let's let's get some capitulated <laughs> hardware. What do you care, right, Harry? I have I have no no comments on the future prospects. Um, <laughs> what what I would what I would say is that like everything is good for Bitcoin, right? China ban hash rate drops in half, recovers in nine months. Good for Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin price crashes at the beginning of COVID. Good for Bitcoin, right? Recovered Im immensely. Um, you know, we 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 bore we bore the the toughest financial burden first and then recovered aggressively first. Um, I say we Bitcoiners, uh, you know, so I, I think that, you know, I think that the mining industry broadly is kind of in a place where not everybody has been through the kind of cycle that those who joined the industry earlier have been through. Um, you know, Compass, Compass is young, but, but wit, I love you. You're not. Um, and, and so, and so I know, you, you know, I know you've been through it, right. You've got, you've got the battle scars, Amanda and Steve, you've been here since before I have, that's for sure. Um, and so, you know, and so, you know, the folks on this call are, you know, we've seen it, right. So I think that, you know, we don't remember what it's like to go through, you know, that type of, of value erosion, you know, as an op as operators, right? So I think there's a lot of folks who are in the industry today who weren't here, you know, certainly not in the in the 1718 transition, and probably not at size in the Q1 2020, you know, pr you know, price, uh, price breakdown. So I think that, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, I, I call I use I use the Game of Thrones uh, metaphor, which is this the summer soldiers, right? They've only They've only been soldiers during uh, the, during the summer season. They've only seen the the fair weather and and gentle shores. So, I, you know, will there be a ton of challenge for some of the folks in the industry when we go through some adverse events? Maybe, 
you know, I think what's working against them is they don't have experience. What's working for them is that they're really well capitalized. Um, where does that net? Everything you think about too, Harry, um, is just the growth of what we're going to see with hash rate over the next year, right? So because totally. of, we have the rise of public mining companies, we can almost like model out exactly how much hash rate is coming online over the next year or so, right? Which allows us to have insight as to where we all as miners stand against that. Um, so curious, like, do we think that there will be the same players in mining next year at this time that exists today? I'll say no. Like if, if I, everyone wants to say no, but you take deep, meaningful breaths, Harry. It's okay. I understand. But no, I mean, it, it's, it's impossible. Everything is cyclical, yep. you know? So there are going to be businesses that, that fall by the wayside, just like there have been in the past. That's, that's just what happens. If there is a big market correction and, you know, people's customer bases drop off 30 to 50%, um, then yes, there will be people that, that cannot sustain right? For one reason or another. And to Harry's point about companies that are well capitalized, I think companies that are well capitalized are in a better position. However, I still think that the mining industry, and I'll speak for the, you know, the mining services industry for a second, um, their major struggle has always been uh, like capturing market share, right? Mm -hmm. So, even if they have a nice treasury, are they going to be able to deploy that effectively to gain market share while other people are falling by the wayside? Because you're really, if you are well capitalized, you do kind of want a bear market because this is your opportunity to really distance yourself from any, any future competition to build your moat even bigger and to continue to build in preparation for, uh, for the next bull market. And if I'm honest, I think that the three of us on this call, right. With Steve, Harry and I, uh, our, our businesses were really built during the bear market, right? It's just now we are in a bull market. So everything that was done behind the scenes during the bear market is now, you know, now being lauded. Um, but yeah, I, yeah my, there has my, to be a cleansing. My first deployment was at the peak of the 2017 <laughs> bull cycle. So I had a few glorious days of mining uh, at extremely high profitability, but then it was all downturn from there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to go through the cycles, though. Um, and also, like, like Carrie was saying, with like the Chinese shut off, like, it seemed like it would be negative, but yet we all were more profitable as miners, right? So it's, it's kind of like the most perfect competition that has ever existed in the world is Bitcoin mining. And as long as you can figure out how to be the most competitive, you're in a good place. Um, I know Twitter has come up a few times on this conversation, whether it's through, you know, hiring people or polls, um, et cetera. One thing that's really started to grind my gears on Twitter is that everyone is now a Bitcoin mining expert, right? Or like a mining advisor suddenly has a mining company, right? And it's great that we're growing as an industry, but as like a normal person, how do you sift through some of that? that that's that's tough. Um, and there's a lot of like scammers now. I think I've seen scammers impersonating wit. I've seen a bunch impersonating me. I bet you yeah. Harry's got a few floating around and you do definitely do Amanda. Oh yeah. Impersonators. Um, it's a dangerous minefield out there for newbie. Um, we had a, we had a customer recently, a local, like a local guy, like local to our shop. So that like very, very local to us. And um, he came in for a shop tour, wanted some miners, we quoted him. And uh Anyway, I didn't like our price. He found a better price on, on the internet. And uh, so I, I asked their sales guy, I was like, oh, that's strange. He found a better price. Our pricing is not that bad. So I, I asked him and uh, we found out uh, he, he was buying through a website that was clearly a scam. And he was just about to pull the trigger. And I, I, we just said, listen, man, you're, you're probably getting scammed at that price. Like no one's selling it for that cheap. Anyway, he did more research and eventually just came back to us. But yeah, it's, uh, it's not easy. That's why I like, you know, I think there's a huge, um, when it comes to retail, like new miners and, uh, or even like industrial, but like new entities looking to, to mine and get into it. Uh, the companies, all three, everyone up here, including your, yourself, Amanda, like, you know, we have a reputation, right? We have a, a real business. We've been around. Um, I think everyone, everyone knows that if they're going to do business with any of us up here, 
um, whether they like her price or not, they're not going to get screwed. So that's pretty, that alone is pretty important, like incredibly important is just having, having a bit of a, a real business and a real business brand and reputation to back, you know, the product and service. So, um, definitely, definitely challenging for these newcomers. I think it also like shines us, Steve, totally, totally agree. Um, and, and I'll, I'll tip my hat to the ignorance that I don't know anything about how to deal with customers. So I'll leave it to, to my friends, the experts. Um, uh, but, but hundred percent, if you're going to send money to anyone, like triple check, do more research, find someone to vouch, ask for a reference, like all of like the pain in the ass stuff that comes with that, like that being like a squeaky wheel customer, like force them to give you a reference. It's a, it's a, the easy, you know, in hiring in buying in anything, like if you make somebody give you a reference to vouch for them, you're going to find out pretty quickly, like what's going on. Um, so that's my, that's my, my quick advice, but, but more, you know, I think there's a, there part of what was in Amanda's question was like, number one, like, how do you interact with the industry and how do you take, take, take part in it, but also like, how do you learn about it? Like there's an information thing happening too, where there's a lot of like, you know, you know, Hey, I showed up in mining and I'm here to fix it kind of perspectives that are out there um, floating around. And, you know, and I think that, you know, it shines the light and, and, you know, we're, we're doing this with Bitcoin magazine. Like, I think that just having a sort of like, you know, not to, not to make it about Harvard, but like a Harvard business school, like case study on a Bitcoin mining company style report, you know, galaxy, maybe you could do that or, or maybe Bitcoin magazine could do that. But like, like, can we walk through the guts of this business? Can we go through the, the financial statements? Can we go through you know, the process, like as a retail person, like imagine Warren Buffett, you know, you know, opinions aside, but, you know, imagine Warren Buffett woke up and it, the year was like 1962 and he went to, you know, the, the Edgar, the Edgar database, which was actually just a library at the time and popped open, you know, somebody's 10 Q or, or, you know, whatever filing he could get his hands on and he wanted to read it. Like, what is the version of that filing that would have impressed him in 1962, when he was, you know, when he was reading every single word of something like that, you know, how can we as an industry, you know, provide that level of sort of education to the highly curious, highly inquisitive, like, I've already declared education bankruptcy on, on Bitcoin Twitter, in this area. Um, so I don't think that that's gonna, I don't think that's where it's going to happen. Um, but, you know, one of those things like a year ago, Versus today, I think the quality of education resources, the quality of platforms that are out there today, whether it's, it's written podcast, video, whatever, like is just way higher. Um, yeah. I had the, the pleasure of being at the, the Nashville Bitcoin meetup last week. Um, and like, it was just ridiculously high quality. You know, everybody, you know, nobody mentioned price and everybody was building something. So, you know, I think that there's a, there's a hungry population for high quality learning um, I don't know what the right way for that learning to happen is. Um, I'm just a I'm just a dumb Bitcoin miner, but um, but somebody really smart out there is going to do a great job putting together, you know, an incredible resource and and um, and it's going to do the whole industry, you know, a great service. Um, yeah, just one I think, thing on I, that, Harry, education should be free. Like anyone that is teaching people about things related to Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining, it should be a free resource where people can learn the reality of like this world. So. Agree with what you're saying. Don't want to inspire someone to then create a course that allows us to like pay like three grand to learn about. Bitcoin. No, 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 no. I'm, I mean, I'm thinking of just like an awesome, like an awesome research, like thing that gets, you know, yeah, totally. if, if only, if only you could change the world with a short little white paper that drops anonymously <laughs> and free. Well, but I mean, uh, you've got, you got so many people that are getting into the space now that are, they're, they're eager for any kind of information on Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining. And, you know, I mean, there are so many resources now, right? Almost every company, mining or otherwise, mining or otherwise, has somebody that's producing content for them or, or as a part of their team that produces it on the side. And it's all beneficial because iron sharpens iron, right? Like through this quantity of information that's coming out, the quality will rise to the top and everyone who's producing content will get better and better. We're seeing people who would never have left their traditional roles in these like major mainstream media companies that are now making a shift 
to get into mining fully. And, you know, I think it was a year and a half ago where like we had, we had people who would write for compass for six months and be like, I don't know if I can cover mining anymore because it was just the same thing over and over again. Right. And like a little bit of a, a spoiler here, but we just hired someone to lead videography from compass. Who's leaving BBC to come. Right. Because he's like, I'm sick of covering the same drivel negatively around the world. I want to come and talk about the positivity of the, the impact that mining is going to have on the world as we move forward. So, I mean, like we're going to continue to see higher quality content producers get into the space and that's going to be a win for everybody. I challenge, I challenge this group to think of another area of the, of the world. So I think that Bitcoiners are the most optimistic people on the planet. And I think Bitcoin miners are the most optimistic Bitcoiners, right? We see, we see the, in, the intersection in between bits and atoms and the magic that happens there um, and, and the good that it can do for, for people's lives and communities and families. Like we are so proximate to the good that Bitcoin can create. Like, of course, everybody wants to get interested in this. So like, let's like, let's pay it forward um, and, and put together awesome, awesome ways to learn and onboard to this, you know, in a, in a, you know, in the spirit of Bitcoin, um, free open source opt in uh, across the board. Yo, my fellow Bitcoin lovers, have I got something specifically curated for you. The Deep Dive is Bitcoin Magazine's premium markets intelligence newsletter. This isn't some pay group selling buy and sell signals. No, this is a premium Bitcoin analysis led by Dylan LeClaire and his team of analysts. They break down in an easily digestible way what is happening on chain in the derivatives markets and in the greater macro backdrop context for Bitcoin. This newsletter turns volatility into a joke. So hit up members.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code podcast for 30% off the deep dive. That's members.bitcoinmagazine.com promo code podcast for 30% off. Divorce your paid group and learn why Bitcoin is the ultimate asset by Dylan and his team. My fellow plubs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you're a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. You want more off? Pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history. So last question for you guys. We're entering into another year, right? Another year of all of us working on Bitcoin mining. Is there a specific trend or um, focus that you think we'll see next year? Uh, <laughs> for going to new all-time highs, hopefully. Um, no, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think if you see the bull market continue, you will see the mining fever just get bigger. Like it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Um, hoping, hoping that there's no, uh, major bear market looming yet. It would be nice to have one more year, fun times. And then, uh, then we can get into the pull your, pull your bootstraps up tough times. Um, I can't say I have, uh, I, I would expect to see more products and whether it's software, uh, or hardware, sort of like what we do, but, um, like I'm aware of a few small hardware projects in the mining space for retail and for like small scale mining. Um, but I could see there being a lot more, uh, advancement in, on the software side, even, um, I'd be interested in seeing that for sure. Awesome. My, my trend for this coming year is that I, th I think that 
So I think that there were two sort of two stories in 2021 that that, that carried the the year. One was ESG, and the other was what uh, word, what what word was that? What just an ESG? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I tried to sneak the, it in there. I think the ESG. Right at the ESG, end, hey? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think, I think that the, about. like the two dominant narratives this year were miners are, are getting are, are really big companies like like I think that other than exchanges miners are the biggest um, segment of the market that's out there um, and so I think this was the year that, that the year of the bigger miner um, and the year of the ESG narrative I think next year um, the ESG narrative is going to flip and and I think that the the change is going to be how can communities recruit large-scale miners because the net economic benefit that, that large-scale miners represent are going to start to be recognized. I think the ESG narrative is, is going to be largely put. Harry, lost you on audio there for a second. I don't know if, if Steve figured out a way to, to mute you because uh, you're the talking man. <laughs> the man, the man cutting Harry off. Yeah. I want to deliver that. <laughs> what, what are you thinking for next year? You know, I think that next year what we see, and I know that, you know, Adam on Steve's team has talked about this uh, as well, but I think we're really going to see people who would have otherwise deployed capital into real estate investments, start moving those investment dollars over to Bitcoin mining. The idea of machines returning on the investment and, you know, 12 months is certainly more attractive than any other real estate investment than anyone than anyone is ever going to be able to make, you know, in, in the modern day. Um, but I think that we're going to really see serious dollars that would otherwise go into rental properties or that second home make its way into Bitcoin mining because these ASICs, which are, you know, an asset that's correlated to the price of Bitcoin, they're going to continue to appreciate in value. And, and people are seeing this uh, this move towards mining as a way to generate passive income while still having an asset that appreciates in price. So I really see that, uh, you know, coming to, to pass in 2022 in a very major way. And I think that there will be reports written on the shift in real estate investment from retail investors going into the mining industry. Awesome. Harry, I know you got cut off there because of Bluetooth. Was there a final point you wanted to make or are you good? No, I, th I think that I think the final point is just that that Bitcoin miners will become an incredibly sought after valuable piece of the electrical grid in the areas um, that they choose to locate. And I think that that, that value is going to get recognized, you know, over the course of next year. Awesome. Agree with you on that. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me on episode three of Hashing for the Holidays. And thank you for being so festive. You definitely win um, the most festive outfit if this was a challenge so you gotta light the hat up though you gotta, oh. you gotta like let's go this this burns more electricity than bitcoin mining here we go <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having us amanda thanks guys appreciate Thank it you. thanks everyone merry christmas awesome.